It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. I'm Anthony Weiner, and thank you for meeting me in the middle. Sometime every Saturday at 2 o'clock when we take some steps away from the hot takes of the far left and the far right. And we try to bring some context to the news of the week or maybe a subject that doesn't find its way into the middle of the conversation. Enough. So great to have you along for the final episode of the year. I think this is our 93rd episode in total. Ava's on the board. Christian's taking your calls. Kevin is supervising. This is a gray day outside, but hopefully you're enjoying it wherever you are. Maybe you have some time off this week. Tomorrow will be 12, 31, 23, 1, 2, 3, 1, 2, 3. I imagine that happens, what, <laughs> every 100 years? I'm not really sure. I have to do the math. Uh, it's been a super week for me. I've had the opportunity when the when there are holidays – I get an opportunity kind of as the B team to fill in for some of the regulars during the week, which is a great opportunity for me. It gives me some practice. It gives me an opportunity to connect with a different audience. It gives me a chance to kind of understand the rhythm of some of the different shows. Like some of the shows are syndicated here at WABC to travel all around the country. Also different, just physically different times a day. I filled in with Dominic Carter who I've known for many years. He and I did the long overnight Frank Morano shift. We'll talk about that in a minute. So it's been a great opportunity for me. Hopefully you've had an opportunity to enjoy some holiday time yourself. Lots of news. You know, there is this conventional wisdom that this is a slow news time of year. Everyone kind of moseys into the new year. It has not turned out to be that way. Iran is starting a proxy war versus the world, really, in the Red Sea. Just yesterday, you saw the largest Russian missile attack on Ukraine since February of 2022. And it seems like there's always this pattern that when Ukraine scores an embarrassing hit on some important Russian battleship or a military target, Russia responds by targeting Ukraine cities. That's that's what they do. I mean, they don't always aim for those cities, but very often they do. Like clearly yesterday they did. They kind of see it as revenge. Israel is under attack. From the east as well as the south and the north. I mean, let's face it. They're kind of, you know, there was this question that arose early on in this. 
why had Hezbollah been relatively quiet? And as the information started filtering out, it turned out that Iran and Hezbollah hadn't been given advance notice of what Hamas was going to do. And then Hamas's leader, Nasrallah, gave that speech where he kind of said, I'm on high alert. You better behave yourselves. Well, recently we've seen more missiles and rockets emerging from the north in Lebanon. Just so you understand, Lebanon is a very weak government. And Hezbollah, as distinct from, from, from Hamas, Hezbollah kind of is basically a government entity there. They, they, the government doesn't tell them what to do. They tell the government what to do and they've increasingly been occupying spaces closer and closer to the northern border of Israel and launching more and more rockets into Israel and there have now been fatalities. And Israel has said and the world has said, look, you know, this is a, this is a tough problem but we have to try to keep for – the, for the interests of Israel, I have to keep this as limited as possible. Now, I know there are people out there. I saw Lindsey Graham. You can always count on Lindsey Graham, the senator from South Carolina. Under any circumstances saying, let's blow them up and go to war. That guy loves war more than anyone I know. And so he wants to blow Iran off the map. I get it. I get that instinct. But I think what everyone is trying to do now is trying to keep it is allow Israel to do what it needs to do with Hamas. And it is pretty crazy that Congress, at least House of Representatives, left town without dealing with the aid package. But hopefully in January when they come back. They're going to work out a plan that includes the aid to Israel, aid to Ukraine, aid to the South Pacific, and also some improvements on border security, which basically no one's walked away from the table. I mean, there are different imperatives, but um, everyone agrees this has to get resolved. And, you know, among the things that I I, I did this week um, – oh, by the way, one other thing that I almost left it out is another state has knocked uh, President – former President Trump off the ballot, the state of Maine, under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. And I did a whole episode about this last week. I don't need to do it again. You know, basically, if you read if you read Article 3, Section 14, if you read it, just the same way that Barack Obama is not eligible to be president again, the same way my son Jordan's not eligible to be president, the same way that if you don't live in the – you haven't lived in the country for 14 years – you're not eligible to be president. You're not eligible to be president if you engage in insurrection. Not if you were convicted of that. As I explained on the last episode, we were not running around holding a lot of trials during Reconstruction. The leaders of the Confederacy were never put on trial because we said instead of doing that to try to reconcile, we're not going to we're not going to hold them. But we're, we're going to make sure they never get into power again. And so the idea that they had to be guilty in a trial, well, that would be in the Constitution if that's what they. If that's what they want. So the only issue is whether or not the president committed insurrection. And the other question is, is how do you determine that? And so the state of Colorado had a little had a trial. The state of Maine, this this person had some this this secretary of state had some hearings. And different states are going to come up with different things on this. But ultimately, I think the Supreme Court, now that you have two states, the Supreme Court, I think, is going to have to weigh in. And I have said before, I hope that Donald Trump is left on the ballot because I think the only way to really heal as a country from the Trump era is to beat him again. That's what I think. But if you just read the Constitution and if you're a textualist or you're originalist, it's very clear that someone who did what Donald Trump did would not be eligible to run. But so that's a little something. And, and you know, someone says, well, someone asked the secretary of Maine. Well, I'll, well, I'll, I'll play with it with the Esther. Again, I am so mindful, and I, I said this in my decision, 
uh, that it is unprecedented. No secretary of state has ever deprived a presidential candidate of ballot access based on Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. But no presidential candidate has ever engaged in insurrection and been disqualified under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. Yeah, I mean, the, I, the, 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 the question got cut off there, but it's basically isn't what you're doing unprecedented. And it is kind of funny. It's funny, the juxtaposition. Suddenly, the Law and Order Party is now the party of Let the Voters Decide Party. Now, that doesn't go for the district attorney in Manhattan, but it apparently goes for the presidency in the United States. But all that being said, that's going to get resolved in the Supreme Court. Now, interestingly, the Supreme Court has to act quickly because the secretaries of states, boards of election around the country. And just to reiterate what what I've said in previous weeks, by the way, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222, wienerwabc at gmail.com is my email address. What I've said in past episodes is that election laws – are the purview of the states. Every state has its own ballot access laws, has its own courts, has its own ways to appeal. Has it. That's why when Donald Trump uh, and his lawyers tried to contest the election, they had to do it in all these different states. They lost 36 um, um, cases, didn't win a single one. And that's why um, all the states were, were, were counted the way they were. So – this has to get resolved by the by the Supreme Court relatively soon because all these states have to go through the process. Now, most of these cases have been about the primary ballot, but it's the same thing is going to come up obviously with the general election ballot. And some people say, well, why do the Secretary of State have the right to decide who's on and who's off? Well, they have the right all the time to decide that someone's just not eligible to run and so they're not going to put them on the ballot. That's part of their job is to make sure – that the elections are run smoothly and without confusion. And one of the ways you can create a lot of confusion is put a whole bunch of people on the ballot that aren't eligible to be there. So so there's no doubt. And you can read the Colorado case to see their rationale for how it's definitely a state's issue. So, you know, again, I don't want to litigate the thing again, but I do think what the Supreme Court is going to say is that the due process to take someone off the ballot for this reason has to include certain elements. Now, all that's going to do is send it back to the states. I want to tell you this. More states have said they're going to put, him up, put Donald Trump on. Some states are going to say take him off. The Supreme Court is going to weigh in. Here's what no one will say. Not a single uh, court or a single secretary of state that said this, no matter how they ruled on whether he should be on the ballot, none of them have said he didn't engage in insurrection. None of them have. And I bet the Supreme Court doesn't either. They're not saying that. Some people are saying, oh, it didn't meant to be for the president, which obviously it does if you go back and read the history. Some people have said, oh, this is a political question, not for the courts. Well, it doesn't say this is self-executing in the, in the Constitution. But that's going to have to get resolved soon. But this week, you know, I, I, I mentioned that I had some opportunities to be on the radio and, and I had – I was on with Curtis a couple of times and he's going to be coming in at, at 4 o'clock on left versus right and I'm going to um, – we're going to wrap up the year with him as well, and we're going to go over just the – this might be the last December 30th that I, I do a show with him because he can't do it if he's mayor. Even though I'm going to ask him. I'm going to say when you do ask the mayor, just for old time's sake, you should do it with me. But all that being said, you know, so I, I did a couple of long shows with Dominic Carter. And Dominic and I, you heard him this morning filling in for Bo Snerdly. He's one of the real stars around here. And I've known him for a very long time. I knew him when he was back at New York One, 
when he went to a place called RCN News and he was just getting started there and needed some big names to come on to get him some credibility. He asked if I'd come on. I was glad to do it. He and I are friends. We were kind of contemporaries too. We're, we're roughly and we're frequently confused with each other like Ebony and Ivory. So he and I were on for these long periods of time for Dom, for um, um, for Frank Morano on the overnight. I want to thank Frank also for for letting us kind of borrow the microphones while he was away. And since it's longer, and I do two hours here, but since it's longer and since it's got the pace of the nightly show, um, we had an opportunity to kind of let some issues air them out and not the normal type of overnight show. We were really, we were having a fairly pitched conversation. And I have been asking this question since I came on the air here 93 some odd episodes ago and John and Margot Katsimatidis and Chad Lopez took a chance on me. And when people say, why are you on the air on WABC? First and foremost, the answer is because John is a friend. John, John, John is a friend and he showed kindness and grace to me at the, at my, some of my lowest moments and has been kind to my family. But the question I've been asking, I ask it out loud on, on the radio and sometimes I ask it quietly to people like Chad Lopez and John and the others. I say, do people want to be told the other side? Do they want to be told something that they may fervently believe is not correct? And when Fox News was forced to pay $787 million because they were saying stuff they knew wasn't true, did they lose a lot of viewers? No. Finding out that the station that Fox News had lied to them repeatedly about that didn't seem to turn anyone off. And sometimes I will have conversations with callers on the radio here where they'll say something and I'll correct them and it will be heresy. And so this week when I was on with Dominic, we had a chance – I had a chance to kind of explore this a little bit. Not in this meta way that I'm doing now but like taking the issues and seeing what happened with them. So when I would explain to Dominic that the asylum laws – Permit anyone who sets foot on the United States of America, whether they come through a border crossing of any sort and they line up just like the Cubans did, they have a right under the law to ask for asylum and then they are here lawfully while they wait for their hearing. When I said that, Curtis said, oh, that's your version of the law. I'm like, hmm, that's a weird thing to say. And I explained, no, that's the actual law. When I explained to him that fentanyl, according to the Donald Trump DEA and the border and the border uh, and and the, and the uh, um, and border officers and the office of drug enforcement when i explain that fentanyl comes in in trucks and cars in the panels of, in large amounts so these are big and they by and large come with us citizens driving the car cuz it's less likely to be checked he says that's not true when i said that crime is down and I pointed to the statistics. He said, that's not true. When I made the point that tourism is up in New York City and that it's really come back, he says, yeah, but what about that person that got stabbed the other day? When I talk about all the things in the economy, and I realized that it could be that Dominic understands something about our listenership that I don't understand, that the job here is not to offer an alternative, 
the offer is the idea is not to offer an explanation or offer what the political imperatives are in the different sides, but people just want to be reaffirmed in what they already believe. And I'm not going to do that here on the middle. It's never been the way I've I've functioned, and I it, and that doesn't mean I'm not the middle. It just means I think that we should start by agreeing with a certain common sense set of facts so that then we can go on and then come up with the solutions. Like, for example, this issue we were just talking about, about um, the qualification of Donald Trump under the 14th Amendment, Section 3. The big, re- the big paper, the big research that got this effort started to remove him from the ballot was not written by Democrats. It was written by two members of the Federalist Society who were originalists, who were textualists. This guy named William Baud and Michael Stokes Paulson. And they said it wasn't even a close case. This is Republicans now. And the the facts about the economy, I mean, you heard Kudlow, you know, in the last couple of hours say that, you know, this is this is a good time in the economy. I mean, inflation not long ago. I mean, during from 1960 to 1922. The average inflation rate was about 3.8% per year. So that means overall price increases were 903, 904% over that time. So people say, well, prices are high. Yes, prices always are high. We always want inflation, not deflation. We just have to make sure that our wages keep up with it. For November 2023, year-over-year inflation was 3.1%. In 2022, it was 8% under Joe Biden. I'm not... That's not me spinning anything. I'm just reading from the Bureau of Labor Statistics that collects this data. Um, under you know, we can look at the same place that we went to point out Trump's record. We can go and look for Biden. That under Joe Biden, 14 million jobs have been added. We had net lost jobs under Donald Trump. The longest stretch of sub four percent unemployment in 50 years. The Stock market today, the Dow Jones, is higher than it has ever been. Consumer confidence indexes are all on the up. Gas will soon be below $3 a gallon nationally. It was $5 in June of 2022. Inflation is now lower than when Joe Biden took office. Wages are outpacing inflation. More small business have been created than any time in U.S. history. Goldman Sachs recently put out their outlook for the year ahead. And they said that we will break the record for household net worth, be all-time high, they expect. So when we come back, I want to hear from you, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. You can say, well, that's not the case. Or you can say, I don't care. I just want to be told that everything's terrible. Um, But I'm going to try to bring the truth here at the end of the year. And when we come back, we'll hear what your version of it is. It's great to have you along. It's my Anthony Weiner. This is The Middle. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, 
Did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Finding new ways to make change. Reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. and Emmy Lou Harris. Is that who that is singing with him? They're singing this. This is us. 800-848-9222. 800-848-WABC. I'll be here with you until 4 o'clock. Then Curtis Lee will comes in for Left versus Right. By the way, I mentioned to you that I filled in with Dominic Carter on, on uh, the other side of midnight. That is available as a podcast on the Red Apple Podcast Network or anywhere that you get podcasts. Go give it a listen. It's funny, I you know when I'm on uh, on the air in an unusual time, I kind of let folks know in my circle and and um and it was a very different vibe. I was you know since we had so much more time, we had some real actual debates about things, and I thought it was excellent. But I did learn something. I I, I did learn that there is such an attachment to the bumper sticker about things. I mean, look, immigration is a mess in this country. Here's a crazy number. For the first 11 months of 2023, December hasn't come out yet. 2,953,676 migrants crossed either from the United States' northern or southern border. Let's, let's assume most of that's the southern border. Do you, my listener, know that there are 17 states that have smaller population than that? <laughs> that's like basically a, a bottom quartile state came here. And, you know, I've heard people say, you know, why is why is Joe Biden doing this? Look, the fact is that our laws are desperately broken, that a lot of the tools to deal with this are in the law. If you want to hire more people, you need money to do it. Congress has to allocate the money. If you want to change the asylum laws, Congress has to change the asylum. And then people say, well, what about 
policy things that he did, close the border. First of all, there's not a door on the border, my dear listener. It's not that way. It's it's a 2,500-mile border. A lot of it is water. A lot of it is on private property. It's not a border. But but a lot of the things that Donald Trump was able to do, Title 42, well, that's a a health code, not an immigration code, and that's attached to the declaration of a COVID emergency. And the very same people who said there's no COVID emergency lift the COVID emergency are the people and say, what happened to Title 42? The idea of, well, why don't they just remain in Mexico? Well, Mexico doesn't want 100,000 people on its property either. And remain in Mexico, the leverage that Donald Trump had to work with with remain in Mexico was Title 42. And then I was on with Dominic, as I mentioned, and he says, well, I would separate families. Yes, the only problem with that is that the court has ruled that you can't do that. And if there's a child, they have to be released from custody within 20 days. So if you want to change that law, Congress has to do that. The president can't do it. And then there are people on the left, like Eric Adams, saying, hey, Joe Biden, we need more money. Okay. Well, President Biden does not have a bag of 20s under his desk. <laughs> there is a way to fix this. It's not that hard. We, we were very close to doing it in 2000, I want to say 13. Every so often we update our immigration laws. Left and right get together. We compromise and we do it. But the Republican Party today, the Republican Party of Donald Trump, is not interested in fixing this problem. They're interested in demagoguing about this problem and yelling about the problem and using it against Joe Joe Biden successfully. And then people say, oh, oh, wait a minute. All these people are going to come in and vote for Joe Biden. Well, first of all, no one's voting in this population for decades, even if they – Manage to be able to stay. But even if they are, do you know what the Hispanic turnout was in Texas among Latinos? 44% voted for the, for the Republican governor. In Florida, the Cubans, the, the, the Latin community in Florida is, is primarily where, where Republicans have grown. The math doesn't add up. Now, are there ways to – is this a serious problem? Of course it is. That's why I think my side, you know, if you want to build fences and walls, fine. I say that's our compromise. We'll be glad to do that. But if the Republicans want to, what, end the asylum law? Okay. So someone who's being persecuted for being a Christian, we're not going to let them come here? Someone who's being persecuted by Castro, we're not going to let them come here? Someone who's being persecuted by Xi for being a Uyghur Muslim, we're not going to let them come here? Is that really the country we are now? We just take down the, 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 the Statue of Liberty? No, we have asylums. We've always had them. There was a time when, when they weren't codified. And my ancestors on the USS St. Louis, on the S, it's not the USS, that would be, maybe Christian can look that up. It's called the St. Louis. I don't know, what, the RMS St. Louis. When they came fleeing Nazi Germany and they were turned away, that is seen as one of the darkest chapters in our history. But if you're not even prepared to have a discussion about the facts of this stuff, what do we do? If someone says to me, Donald, Dominic said over and over and over again, I even, he said over and over and over again, people who are here because they've requested asylum are not here lawfully. I'm sorry, but they are. That's just the law. That's not Anthony's law. You can go look it up. Now, should we fix the asylum laws? I got one way you should fix it. That if you come and you're requesting asylum, you shouldn't wait four or five years to get a hearing. 
we should set up a whole row of trailers down there, not judges, hearing officers, who just look at the qualifications to be, and, and they do interviews. And if you're not, if you're coming here because you want a better job, we're here to have, for economic reasons, the answer is no. Boom. And then we deport you. A little problem with deportations, by the way. Some of the countries that people are coming from, we don't have any relationship with. We can't, that we can't even land planes. <laughs> I mean, if people want there to, and the same is true about crime. I mean, the FBI just came out with its statistics for 2023. And it looks like it is going to be one of the largest yearly declines in homicides, according to the FBI data. And it's not just homicides. The nine violent and property crime uh, among the there are nine of these these nine FBI crimes that they ask every every police department to report to. And this is a report that covers about 80 percent of the population of the United States. The only one that's up is is motor theft. It's car theft. All of the other ones are down dramatically. So you can say, oh, my God, someone got attacked at Grand Central. Terrible. Someone got pushed down the track. Terrible. Someone got shot up in Buffalo. Terrible. But these are these are the facts. These are the facts. These are the same. These are the facts, right? So, and what does it all come down to? Maybe, maybe this is just a theory. In the twenty twenty election, pull closer to the closer to your radio, folks. In the twenty twenty election, eighty one million people voted for Joe Biden. Eighty one million. And to all my liberal friends, come closer to the to your electric car radio, whatever it is. Donald Trump, 74 million people voted. Many more people voted for Biden, but still 74 million people voted for Donald Trump. And for those of you who can't believe why anyone would ever vote for Joe Biden, 81 million people did it. And it's not just there. In the House of Representatives, that same year, 2020, 77 million people pulled the lever for Democrats. So if you're wondering, who are these people that believe these, these statistics? Well, 77 million. And on the other side, to my Democratic friends who are like, I can't believe anyone votes for this guy, 72 million, almost 73 million people voted for the Republican for House of Representatives. So what's my point? My point is those people on the other side are not crazy. They're not idiots. They're not fools. It's just the only way to have conversations about this stuff is to realize that there is another side. And people have said to me, oh, Anthony, you shouldn't call your show the middle. You're a Democrat. You're a a lefty. Hey, yes, I don't want anyone who listens to this program to abandon their political ideology to to listen. Butchered that word. Ideology. And I'm not going to abandon mine. But when I hear people say crazy things like, oh, they're swimming over the Rio Grande with backpacks filled with fentanyl. No, no. These are giant corporations, these fentanyl smugglers. They're not putting in people's backpacks. They're putting in panels of trucks. Trust me, talk to the people that do these inspections. And there are people out there 
who believe in what Donald Trump is is pitching. So maybe what it comes down to is we all have to recognize there are millions and millions and millions of people that disagree with you. <laughs> and there aren't that many crazy people or uninformed people or stupid people in the world. So maybe let's start with just what the numbers, what the facts, what the laws, what they are. And then we can argue which direction we think we should go. We'll get some calls right after the break. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner. Welcome back to the middle of Anthony Weiner Dire Straits. Twisting by the pool. Hopefully you're getting a little time off. I don't know if you're twisting by the pool or just enjoying some time off. And for all of the people who work double time over the holidays because they're filling in or because they're first responders or because they're essential workers, I hope you're, you're staying safe and recognize that we appreciate the service that you're doing. All right, let's go to the calls. Let's start out the day with Richard in the Bronx. Richard, get us going today. Hi, Anthony. I just want to draw a parallel about uh, the insurrection. And, you know, we've probably gone over this thousands of times. First of all, President Trump did say, I want you to, to participate in a peaceful protest. He didn't just say, go burn down the Capitol. Okay? When did he say That's that part? Right, here, just just for, for factual, when did he say that part? When he was speaking at at, at that rally outside before the before the um, Capitol uh, riot, when he was speaking, remember he said, "I want you to go and peacefully demonstrate." He okay. Did say peaceful demonstration. Okay. He but said peacefully demonstration. Okay. Was never considered in the J six hearing. They ignored it. And another thing about the J six hearing, compa- Let's draw a parallel. Supposing we have a hearing against, uh, let's say, Joe Biden, whether it's impeachment or whatever. Supposing uh, the Speaker of the House Johnson says, I don't want Congressman Dan Goldman participating in any debate. That would be parallel to Nancy Pelosi saying, I don't want Jim Jordan. Well, but Jim Jordan was being invested. But the problem with Jim Jordan was being investigated for his role. He, He had a conflict. He did have a conflict, but he was subpoenaed. He was subpoenaed and didn't even show up. Jim Jordan's a bad example. And Kevin McCarthy, Kevin, listen, here's the thing. I mean, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. But but once you get away, here's the interesting thing is 
once you get away from everyone's motivations, there's a, a whole lot of evidence that the president did try to interfere with the peaceful transition of of our government. And hold, and, be, and I'm going to let you finish, Richard. But I'm going to want you to play a tape. I'm going to play a tape, and I want you to respond to it. This is just new information that came out last week about Donald Trump's role in sty- trying to, to stymie the count in Michigan. All right, I want to ask you about something else that's popped up, and this is the Detroit News is reporting on a recorded phone conversation between former President Donald Trump, the RNC chairwoman Ronna McDaniel, and two Wayne County uh, Board of Election officials. And this was about certifying the results of the 2020 election. Uh, they quote Donald Trump as saying, we've got to fight for our country. We can't let these people take our country away from us. Ronna McDaniel then says, if you can go home tonight, do not sign it. That's the certification of the election results. We will get you attorneys, followed by Trump saying, we will take care of that. Those two officials apparently had already voted to certify the results. They tried to rescind their votes, but weren't able to do so. What do you make of all this? I think the former president's got a problem with this. They had voted to certify the election. He attempted to force them to change their decision, which they tried to do. Uh, I think this is what we would call election interference. And uh, just as he got into trouble in Georgia over a similar act, calling the secretary of state and saying, find me 11,000 some odd more votes. This is a problem. The president, former president should not have been doing this. These people are supposedly independent officials who are supposed to certify the election based upon their review of the process and mm-hmm. the procedures in place. And he's attempting to get them to change their opinion after the fact. This is not a good move, if accurate. And if this tape is 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 true, uh, the former president's created another problem for himself. Now, that wasn't MSNBC. That was Fox News. And that wasn't some Democratic talking head. That was Karl Rove, perhaps one of the most prominent political consultants. He, he worked in the Bush administration. So let's assume for a moment that all that stuff that he said on the Capitol grounds, all that stuff that he said about let's tell Mike Pence to do what Mike Pence is supposed to do. What do you say to that, Richard, that that's just interfering with the transfer of, of power? Well, come, uh, offering them sub- supply attorneys is that might have been might be a given number one on anything now on one of the elections wasn't bob beckel trying to at one time trying to solicit electors to switch their vote i don't remember what it was one so of look, the, let's let's let, let let's try it and i appreciate it, richard i appreciate your call let's try to separate these things out this is not an issue of contesting the election the election was done remember this is january 6th every court case was resolved all the electors had been chosen this was just a matter of transferring power. There was no longer any – there was nothing left to do at this point. The president at the time, Donald Trump, had attempted to win in the courts and failed every single time, had attempted to win the election and lost the election. This is now an effort in another state to, to substitute electors that had been finally chosen for – the winner and switch it to the loser. Now, that's the not dictionary definitions is kind of that's the definition of interfering with the peaceful transfer of power. So let's assume he said the clause go peacefully, although I remember him saying that later on. But let's assume he said that. He knew that people in the crowd were armed. He had been briefed on that, that people in the crowd were armed. 
We knew that people were fired up, and, and he said, let's march to the Capitol and do what? And then he said, let's let, you know, you know, I hope Pence does the right thing. And by the way, he had already called Pence and say, don't count the votes. I mean, look, there's gonna, he's, he's in trouble for this. He's in trouble in Georgia. He's in trouble with the United States of America. And we're going to have a trial. And maybe he didn't do these things. He's going to have the best lawyers under the sun. There is a presumption of innocence in this country. I, I join in that presumption of innocence. But I read these indictments. If he did the things that he is accused of, my supporters of Donald Trump out there, if he did those things, not if he didn't, if he did them, should he be held accountable or is he above the law? I mean, that's that's the question. Let's go to Adam and Mineola. Hey, Adam. How you doing, sir? Adam, did you hear uh, your name ringing out this week on the station? Because they had down at the Port Authority. I mean, down at JFK, there was a there was a protest, and everyone was looking for you to be calling in to let us know what was going on down there. Everyone was mentioning your name. What happened was I was I'm off on Wednesdays and Thursdays, and I believe that happened on a Wednesday or Thursday. That's right. Am I right? That's right. Okay. Okay. Because because well, I, I know there. Adam, if you were there, you would have broken some kneecaps. I'm sure of it. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No way. <laughs> oh yeah. But I just uh, I wanted to talk about states' rights, you know, because you know everybody's acting like Maine is doing the wrong thing for barring this guy using Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. And, you know, when they had the abortion thing, the, 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 the Supreme Court ruled on that. They didn't give no states no rights. They they overruled the states with reversing Roe versus Wade. Well, no, so, no, 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 Adam, you've got that backwards. They said that there should uh, not be an, a national standard as laid out in Roe v. Wade that each each state should come up with their own standard. So they said it about abortion, and is your point that they're not saying that about choosing their own electors? Well, I mean, as far as the Secretary of State putting Trump on the ballot in Maine, I mean, people are complaining about that like they're doing something wrong. Yeah, I mean, Adam's making an important point here, and, and it's something that sometimes people don't realize. We don't have national election laws. We have state-by-state state election laws state by state states determine who's on the ballot who's not they have a different everyone has a little different process sometimes they have different machinery and that's why when donald trump was trying to argue that he should be on the ballot i mean that he should win the election he went state by state with that corrupt scheme to kind of make send fake electors there and then get mike pence not to report the right ones to report the wrong ones that's why it went state by state and I noticed, by the way, there's only corruption in states that he, Donald Trump lost. There's, and there's only corruption for president. There was no corruption for all those Republicans that won on the same ballot. But putting that aside, Adam's exactly right. The, 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 there's, it, the, there is the Tenth Amendment of the Constitution that says any right not enumerated for the federal government shall stay with the states or with the individual. And then there's the other problem that all of these election laws are by the – are, are set by the, by the states, and that's why secretaries of state have to decide what ballots are going to look like. 
The federal government comes in here in that they have requirements written in the Constitution of what it takes to be a president. That's it. They say you can't be a president unless you're, th- you're having achieved the age of 35. You have to be a, uh, a United States citizen. You have to be in the country for, for, for um, 14 years, and you can't be an insurrectionist. So Donald Trump was three for four, and we'll be right back. to make change, reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. Kate Bush with Running Up That Hill. She's had a little bit of a resurgence since that song was featured heavily on Stranger Things on Netflix. Is that a, is that season... I mean, that show is done, or are they just going to have another season of it? I never quite got into it. I, I watched a little bit of the first season. Jordan was very much into it later on. I watched the first season. But it's good to see Kate Bush getting some residual checks over it. So we're talking about the state of things, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. It's led us back into this conversation about insurrection. At least the, the question of insurrection has some subjectives involved in it. You know, unlike other things like, you know, the state of the economy or crime that's less subjective that you can actually measure it. And by the way, I think that is going to be the hook that the Supreme Court uses. They're going to say – they're not going to say he didn't commit insurrection. They're going to say that the court or that the states – have to establish some kind of a standard for evidence standards. For example, and I pointed this out last week, what is the standard for evidence? There was a standard there was, in Colorado used a preponderance of the evidence. Was did he commit it? Did, did, did he participate in the insurrection by or give? By the way, and also remember the Constitution says or give an aid and comfort to calling them hostages and saying he's going to give them pardons is definitely giving aid to. So. So there is this there there is this question about like well okay what standard do you put the evidence to do you say reasonable doubt like it without a, beyond a reasonable doubt like it is a criminal trial maybe not but I think that's what the Supreme Court is going to wind up saying let's go to Bob in New Jersey hey Bob welcome hey how you doing Anthony thanks Hi, for taking my call you're welcome uh, 
couple, uh, just want to make a couple of points and uh, see uh, what you think. Uh, Trump talked to Rassenberg uh, with 99% of the vote counted, and Rassenberg told Trump that mathematically he could not lose Georgia. No, no, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Bob, Donald Trump spoke to Rassenberger after Georgia had done three recounts and and was told that he lost. But please continue. Or when 99 percent of the vote was counted. No, no, no. It was it it was. Hold on a second. Just let's get the facts down. I did a whole episode about the Rassenberger call. That conversation happened after three recounts had already been completed in Georgia. He was told by Rassenberger that he lost. Please continue. The vote was counted. Ninety nine percent of the vote was counted. And he said, mathematically, you cannot be a loser. This was before the votes were totally counted. And second one, second point, two electors in Michigan signed under protest to to certify the election. They signed under protest. Electors don't, don't certify the election, my friend. They signed, they signed the electors. Uh, the, Bob, listen, I appreciate it. we're bumping up against the break. Let me just take as best I can. Electors don't certify elections. Electors are just they're the ones that just they're they're the names that are chosen when um, and, and, and Donald Trump's electors would not have been signing anything. They weren't chosen. When we go to the polls, we don't choose the president. We choose the electors for the president. And as far as the conversations with Rathesberger, and I don't know what episode it is. I'll try to look during the break. Rathesberger, the conversations that Rathesberger had with Donald Trump, that famous conversation, which is just one piece of evidence. It's not that big. It's a piece of evidence. It's just to show that he knew that he had lost. Rathesberger had told him after three recounts had been done, Donald Trump, Mr. President, you did not win the state of Georgia, and there's nothing we can do to make you win the state of Georgia. And he still went out after that and tried to appoint fake electors. That's what that's that's an important piece of evidence in the Georgia case. And so this is another instance where these things are both knowable facts. Anyone can go and Google them right now. When we come back, I'm going to go take a look at some of the predictions I made about this year to see how we did. And I'm going to filter out any that I got wrong. That's a little bit of a hint. It's so great to have you along in the middle. So grateful for all the support you've given the show. So grateful for all the callers. 800-84-WABC. And we'll see you on the other side of the break. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner. Um... I'm not a big fan. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner. The All-American This is Rock and Roll Radio. Come on, let's rock and roll with the remote.
Welcome back to the middle. New York's own The Ramones bringing us back in with that great song, Do You Remember Rock and Roll Radio? Now, it might be my imagination, but when they do that little intro where they have kind of their spinning the dial, right before the music starts, I could swear it says 77 WABC. It actually doesn't say 77 WABC. I think it says, I think it says ABC right before that. I'm going to listen to that when I get home. I'm going to put the headphones on, turn it up really loud, see if I can figure that out. Anyway, we're doing a little bit of uh, retrospective today. I talked at the beginning of the show about my experience filling in and co-hosting with Dominic Carter and what a, what a couple of great shows we had. In fact, maybe I'll see if I'll see if maybe we can drop those shows into my feed. Any of the uh, this show, as soon as I go off the air through the magic of Kevin Josh, we and and Christian, we find our way into your feed as a podcast. If you miss any part of it, that's true also of Left versus Right, which will be starting in about an hour from now with Curtis Lewa. But any of the shows here almost immediately get repurposed if you missed any any portion of them as podcasts. And I would encourage you to go to the Red Apple Podcast Network and take a look at our offerings. Um, and obviously you can listen to us on Terrestrial Radio, WABCRadio.com, on the app. All kinds of different ways to get hold of it. So if you'd like to, if you'd like to go back and, and give a listen to me and Dominic. But one of the things I talked about is how we we covered a lot of ground about what I think are the facts, and then Dominic, I think, kind of did some of the bumper stickers, you know, and and like I talked about the economy doing better, and he said, "Oh, because it's an election year," and I'm like, "Yes, next year is an election year. This one isn't, but yes," I mean, as if. You're not supposed to do good things in an election year. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what the point is of that. But things are getting a little bit better economically. But as I've mentioned again and again, that crime is getting better also. But those two things, crime and the economy, it takes a while for perceptions to come around, particularly in this world where like, you know, all it takes is one person saying, oh, my God, I paid $200 for a turkey dinner. And then you're fighting with that all day. So I, I just try to rely on the statistics. But if you've heard differently. I certainly understand that. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. So this time last year, it's hard to believe I've been on the air. This is our 93 episode, 93rd episode. This time last year, I did a prediction show and I made some predictions. Now, before you jump ugly with me, I am going to leave out some of the predictions I got that were just wrong. Like, for example, I said that Jeff Bezos was going to sell the Washington Post and buy the Washington Redskins. That was wrong. That did not happen. Uh, what was another one that was just wrong? I'm trying to think. There was another one that was like kind of weird like that that just didn't happen. But I did relatively well. So let's listen to some of the ones that I got right. Let's just go one through five, okay? So let's just start out with number one. Remember the big thing that the Freedom Caucus wants, or these guys, these holdouts want, is they want something called um, – a, dis, uh, a motion to vacate the chair being a privileged motion, meaning anyone can bring it up at any time. And that basically means that you throw out the speaker. You do that, then nothing will ever get done. Nothing will ever get done. I, I'm going to give myself close to an A on that because while I earlier in that I predicted that someone named uh, Scalise would be the guy they ultimately picked, it turned out to be the least – productive House of Representatives and least productive Congress in American history. You've got to go back over 100 years to find anything even similar. So it certainly was true that for as hard as the Republicans fought to win the House, that motion to 
a motion to vacate the chair that any one person can cause trouble. I knew it was going to be problems, and it turned out to be very much so. All right, let's go to number two. My next prediction for 2023, TikTok will be banned in the United States. All right, well, give me a partial win for that one. Um, it's ban- It was banned this year for all federal employees. We're not allowed to have it on any government devices. 34 of 50 states said the same thing of their employees, that they're not allowed to have TikTok. And in April, Montana became the first state to pass legislation banning TikTok for all all personal devices operating within state lines. Now, TikTok and their allies are fighting that. But I'm going to say I predicted that this would be the year that TikTok ran into trouble. And I explained this when I made the prediction. There's a few things left and right agree upon, but we all seem to agree upon we don't want some Chinese country owning our data. We don't want our kids being subjected to that stuff. And now here at the end of the year, we see so many kids are getting their information about the Middle East on TikTok and how dreadfully wrong it all is. I think I'm going to give myself an A for that one. Let's go to number three. There are on average nine special elections, House of Representatives, every cycle. Now, a cycle is two years, as you know. I predict there will be four that happen this year. I predict there will be 10 overall, and I predict the Democrats will win three and the Republicans will win one. All right. This one has a gigantic caveat. So it turned out there were three. Democrats won two and Republicans won one. But I realized only after I played this back that it doesn't really matter because I didn't say whether anything would flip, whether Democrats or Republicans would gain or lose. So I am going to say I got a I got that mostly correct, but it turned out to be a much easier prediction than I thought it would be. Uh, all right, let's go to number four. But I predict big problems for Twitter. Yes, that turned out to be very, very true. It looks like there's been a 50 percent decline in ad sales for Twitter. But I did edit it a little bit. I said that I thought Twitter firing all these people would have technical problems it turned out their technology side was fine. They just had problems on the other side. Listen, I'm one of the few liberals, a few progressives that said I didn't mind Musk taking it over because I said to myself, he's a businessman and he's a pretty good businessman by and large. He's not going to let it turn into a cesspool. I was wrong about that. They've lost about 50% of their revenue. And let's go to one last one. This one I'm particularly proud of. So my prediction is this will be the year that this becomes so popular that at least one news reporter one college professor or or PhD candidate and one medical doctor will get fired in 2023 for relying upon chat GPT. Well, this one I crushed because not only were there medical doctors that lost their license, not only were there reporters that got in trouble, but just yesterday, perhaps the one person America loves to hate, Michael Cohen, had to tell a a, uh, a the federal district court in the Southern District that he relied upon ChatGPT to file his application to have his probation shortened by filing ChatGPT cases that didn't exist. So this is a guy. Okay, remember, this is a guy that everyone agrees is a liar, right? He went to prison for lying. He lied for years about what Trump didn't do. Then he lied about what he probably did do. So anyway, no one's rooting particularly hard for this guy. But isn't it ironic 
that this guy, who remember, he used to be a lawyer. He used ChatGPT, and and his explanation was, well, I'm unfamiliar with the shortcomings in ChatGPT, and this is this is for those of you who are uninitiated. This is this generative uh, artificial intelligence where they scrub the internet, and based on everything that they have, um, they then but but it also hallucinates. It makes up stuff that wasn't there. So that turned out to be very right, and it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy as Michael Cohen. So I am going to give myself overall about a B on the predictions that I made for 2023, and I am um, going to keep them coming. And we're going to – should we take a quick break? We have a special guest in the studio. When I say special guest in the studio, the guest is the person that owns the studio, and I'm so glad that he's here. Uh, John Katsimatidis, the owner-operator of the station, and I earlier in the show acknowledged the person when people say to me, why are you on the radio? It's because of John. And I devoted a good portion of the show today to talking about my experience on the radio and how um, and what I think is good and not so good about it. John Katsimatidis, welcome to The Middle with Anthony Weiner. Well, Anthony, this is the first time we've been alone since that first time you started the radio business, you screwed up with Hannity, and I had to save you the that, next day. That's, that's totally right. Now, tell that story. I think people forget it. I, well, I mean, uh, Curtis convinced you uh, at that time you should go on with Hannity, or somebody convinced you. I, I forget. It was Curtis. It was a Curtis contract. Was it, was it a He's Curtis He's been trying convincing? to make it up to me ever since. And, and, and you went on with Hannity. And you tell us what so, what went so, wrong, but you looked awfully bad, so, and, and everybody was predicting your downfall. Yeah, so first let's go in order. So for a, quite some time, from almost the moment that John took over the station, John was saying, you know what, if you ever want to come on, and you ever want to talk, or you ever want to do something on the station, let me know. John and I have been friends, friends for, for forever. Brooklyn Tech. Brooklyn Tech. We've known each other through the political, and we really bonded, I have to say, in 2013 when we both ran for mayor, and the world would be a better place if we had both won our primaries. Let's just say that. <laughs> so You're right on that one. So, so John, and I eventually, uh, eventually said, all right, you know what, I'd love to, co- I, you know, I said, I don't want to go on like MSNBCs of the world. I don't, I don't like that. I'll gladly come on. And so what, what I did is I sat down, a portion of the Cats Roundtable, was just John asking me a bunch of tough questions about where I had been, what lessons I had learned, what, how I was feeling, how my emotional health was, all that other stuff. And so we did some, we did some promotion for the show because me and Curtis were going to be on. And Curtis said – he calls me and says, listen, Hannity wants you on Fox. They have me on and the first thing Hannity says is, are you different? And I'm like – that's up to the listeners. It's up to the viewers. It's up to everyone else. I'm not going to try to persuade people of anything. They should just listen and see what they think. Well, Hannity was like, you've got some nerve coming on here when you won't even say that you're different everything else. And so it got bad press in the post, bad the press worst, online. The worst. Yeah, it was the worst. And so we had this thing. Says, what, what should we do about it? And I said, listen, I said, any news I'm going to make about this, it's not going to be on Fox. I said, do you want to sit down and talk to me again? And you did. And this well, time, everybody that morning, that afternoon was predicting your downfall. It's over. You you screwed up. And I said, 
all the consultants in the world, you know all the consultants, 38,000 of them. (laughs) I said, guys, go away. I'm going to handle this myself. I'm going to put Anthony with me on at 5 o'clock, my 5 o'clock show, and say it the way I, we're going to say right, it. Right, right. And, and you asked me these tough questions. And then when I went on with Curtis, he kind of did the same thing. And then I went on with Sid, and Sid kind of did the same thing. And I said I said to them all, no holds barred. You can ask me anything. And, and, and Sid asked me some very tough questions, and it got a little bit emotional because he and I have a shared experience around addiction. And um, – and ever since then, if any caller calls in and says, I want to ask you about that or I want to give you criticism about that or I want to ask you about your experience, I never hide from it. I never try to duck it. I accept responsibility for it. I accept responsibility for what I did, for whatever decisions that I made. And now that I'm on the radio, I sat down with Margo about four months in and I said, Margo, what do you think I should do? Should I talk more about this or less? She says, have you answered every question so far? She says, yes. He says, and you just go now. You should just be yourself. Just move on. Just move on. Just be yourself. If someone wants to ask you questions, they will. But don't make it the single thing that you talk about all the time. No one's all that interested in looking back. Everyone makes mistakes, et cetera. So I, I accept but that. But I must tell you, uh, and I've said this to people, uh, we would have had a much better city if you did win for mayor that time. Well, I think we would have a better city and a better Republican Party if you had been the nominee that year also. I mean, there is, if you look at the Venn diagram of when we were campaigning, and again, that was a while ago. 2013 seems like yesterday was 10 Uh, years ago. 10 years ago. My God. You and I were both up there campaigning for tax cuts. I wanted tax cuts for the middle class. I said I wanted to reduce 5% of waste in government every year. I think you had a very similar proposal. We were both out there kind of saying similar centristy kind of things. And the problem was we had started to see the sign that both of our parties we're going to the fringes a little bit. And I wanted a better education for our kids in schools. Uh, you know, we and you both had a Brooklyn Tech education. Right. And I said, you can't send every kid to college just for the say I'm sending them to college if they're not capable of going to college. Let's teach them. How they like we used to have aviation high school. Uh, let's teach them automotives. Let's teach them computers. Let's teach them. Let's teach them a trade. Right. So when they finish high school, they have a job instead of two hundred thousand dollars in debt yeah, from student I, loans. I would always say to people, you know, when my kid, when I'm telling my kid what I think he should do when he grows up, I'm not going to say lawyer or politician. I'm going to say become a ployer, a, a plumber, or a carpenter, or an auto mechanic. Those people will always be always be needed. I also advocated for an increase in the in in both in in both the the trade schools and the community colleges. Not every person goes to a four a four year college, but you and I we had a lot of overlap. But but tell me, catching up to today, you've now you've succeeded in turning around the station. It's now ready for whatever the next chapter is. We're leading in something. Sid is crushing it in the morning. Just about every day part where we're doing a, a big job. What is the next? What's the next plan? Well, first of all, for WABC, it's going to be a worldwide power. We're now available in 173 countries and 50 states on your iPhone, on your uh, on your computer, and, and that could be the future. Versus on regular terrestrial AM radio, uh, we're one of the most powerful signals out of New York, and we're, uh, and our next step is to market worldwide. But until we have things down to perfection, I didn't hit that button yet. Well, let me ask you this. 
There is a conventional wisdom, and we have to go to a break soon. I'm like they're getting me disciplined on clock on managing the clock. That's your your department. <laughs> but let me ask you something. It seems like with each generation we progress to a new technology, right? AM radio was what you and I grew up in. Then the FM radio made music quality much higher. Then we moved to satellite and other things. Now it seems like all of the different ways that we get information are all melded into one, right? You can get terrestrial radio on an app. You can get music. Like Sirius XM is available as an app, not just in people's cars. So frankly, the they, line they may make it instead of going broke. Exactly. The, the, the lines are getting blurred now, right? There is really yeah. nothing that prevents us. It's content. It's content, the, uh, the content you're delivering uh, to the consumer. Uh, and you got to – look, I'm older than you. When I was going to school, I had a, uh, a transistor radio with three transistors in it. Three. Yeah. And listen, used to listen to Cousin Brucey. Seventy years later, 60 years later, whatever, uh, my iPhone has 15.4 billion transistors. Yeah. You, you, you think we got some help from the other side of midnight? Yeah, it could be. It could be. All right, let's, let's go to a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to ask John the tough question, whether radio will ever be a safe place for a Biden supporter when we get back on the middle. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Finding new ways to make change. Reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. Middle, I'm Anthony Weiner. That's Warren Zevon bringing us back in, Werewolves of London. We're continuing the conversation with El Jefe, John Katzmatidis, the owner-operator of 77 WABC Radio. I, I don't know where I ever got that title from, owner-operator. That's, that's you know, I take 90% of my language cues I take from Curtis. Curtis, by the way, and, I'm not, and I'll say this now, I've said it publicly, I've said it privately. He has really mentored me. He's mentored Andrew Giuliani. He's mentored Dominic. He has become, I mean, he's one fry short of a Happy Meal. He's a little bit of a whack job, 
But I want to tell you, he has, uh, he's been a great mentor, and he always says, owner-operator. What, 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 let me ask you, what title would you prefer? I don't know. Just, just plain old John. What about, what about host of the award-winning uh, Cats Roundtable, uh, which is now wait, uh, 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 Cats and Cosby? Yes. Your well, host is fine. You're a host. So let me ask you this. We're here at the end of the year. Larry Kudlow was on earlier talking about how he great— He was very good today. He was very good. Talking about, but, and, but as much as some of these Trump guys hate to admit it, the economy is, is buzzing along. It's doing very well. The market is, is doing flips. Well, it's an election year. It has to do well. Otherwise, nothing happens. First of all, it's not an election year, John. Next year is the election year. Oh, come year. on. Wait, 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 one day off? Give me well, a let break. Let me ask you. Give so, me a Anthony, give me a break. Here's, here's the funny thing about, yeah. you, about you Trump supporters. You all oh, wait, 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 you wait. All, I'm a middle-of-the-road centrist. And you, you know that. Okay. I've right. always been. All right. Well, let's just say for the benefit of this conversation, I will stipulate that you're a middle-of-the-road centrist. You say that it's an election year, but you, does that mean you agree that all these things are going really well in the economy? I, I agree that uh, uh, the price of oil is coming down, but you must agree that the, the, the reason for all this stupidity, the reason that this country went downhill for two years is when President Biden declared oil, and I see you getting upset, when President, I see, I see you shaking your I head a not. little bit. I am not. I, 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 you know, stay I'm just calm. ruffling my papers. Anthony, stay calm. Okay, <laughs> don't ruffle your papers too hard. When President Trump declared the fossil fuel business in trouble, now I'm going to I'm going to give you one statistic. When when President Trump was president, uh, Iran was was producing four hundred thousand barrels a day. At $50 a barrel. That's chump change. They could hardly feed their own people. Now, when President Biden became president, right now, they're producing over 4 million barrels a day. And at one point, at $100 a barrel, that's, they were making $2 billion a week profit. And the profit did not go to... Um, uh, what do you call the civilized Iranians? The Persians. Okay. The Persians were the civilized Iranians. They were going to feed the foreign legion of Iran. The Hamas, the Hezbollahs, the Houthis. And that's where the money was going. Now, In other words, by what President Biden did with oil, it made Russia, or how do you say it, rich again. Well, let me ask It made you. OPEC. Has, has Zillionaires again. But, John, let me just I, – I hate to interrupt wait, wait, this. That's a, but that's a fact. Well, well You're me, welcome to talk. Let me, so you're welcome has to domestic talk. oil production ever been higher than it is today no, in the United States? It, it, right now it's up to 13.32. Yeah. So domestic oil production okay. is through the roof. Now let me, let me just tell you a little bit about what went on with Iran and oil. Who is Please buying, do. Who's buying Iranian oil going around the sanctions at this point? Uh, China, Russia. China. China and China. Russia. China, mostly no, China. Russia produces their own. Mostly China. Ru- but but anyway, it, Russia is producing 10 million barrels a day. I know, but At Russia. At $100 a barrel, they were making a billion dollars a day profit. But it's that not. Went to, that went to and created the Ukrainian war. No, I understand that. But, but you also acknowledge that part of what Donald Trump, what, what Joe Biden had to deal with. I mean, Donald Trump, by the way, comparing it to 2020, you forget, during COVID, demand for oil was down to practically zero. So, okay. yes, prices were low. Okay. You, you know, you, you can compare it to that. But, but let me let – me, By the way, I bought 
One of our companies bought oil one time for three dollars a barrel. Really? Yeah, because like no one was in their car, no one was flying, no one no, was going the anywhere. No, oil was coming out of the ground someplace in Canada, and you had a grant. and they had no place to <laughs> I go. Love it. I love it. But the point. But let me tell you a little bit about Iran. Part of the argument for the Iran nuclear deal was that you basically said, "Listen, what is our number one priority with Iran?" And that is preventing them from getting a nuclear weapon. Not the number one priority was trying to make them good people or trying to make them not export terrorism. It was to make sure they didn't get a nuclear weapon. When Agree. We, so, right. So Agree. When we, when we left the nuclear deal, you know who left with us? Who said, okay, if the United States isn't in? China left. And China does buy. They usually buy it through Malaysia or whatnot. But they're buying Iranian oil. There's no doubt about it. But when you look at, at, at the things that led to the price of oil being high, a war – Problems after COVID, we had inflation, but now inflation is down very, very low. We're going to be below three dollars a gallon at the gas by the first quarter of next year. That's that's that's. Well, by, see, Bidenomics works if you want to believe that. Well, let me ask you now. We, let me tell you something. Yeah, the price of oil uh, has gone down in the last six months from a hundred dollars a barrel, ninety dollars a barrel. It's it was down to. A month ago, it was down to sixty nine or sixty eight. Principally, why? Explain to our listeners why it was why it's going down. Because it's going down. No, but but isn't it because that OPEC could not agree on production cuts? OPEC OPEC does, lies amongst themselves. You know that. Yeah. OPEC never tells the truth, and so and, and so we never tells the truth. We're producing a lot. OPEC's producing a lot, and we aren't consuming yes. as much. Yes. Got it. Okay. okay. It, it went down. Okay. Now. What what they did though, with the Red Sea crisis, you uh, mean Iran, Iran, with the Red Sea crisis, it, they took it from sixty eight back up to seventy six, and now on Friday it was back down to seventy one. So, you know, there's a war going on. There's an economic war going on in the whole world between the the the, the evil nations of X Y Z. And North America and the civilized and civilized uh, well, the world. except that the Saudis and the United States oil producers Exxon, they have something in common, don't they, John? Don't they want high prices? Who the Saudis? Exxon, the Saudis. The Sa- are- wait, 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 why are you bringing up Exxon? It's a private company. No, but I'm saying I that- own stock in Exxon. No, so do if I. If you have a pension plan, you own stock. No, in but Exxon. I'm asking you. So to- let's stop with the Exxon. Well, hold on a minute, though. They want OPEC, high prices, don't OPEC they? OPEC wants a hundred dollars a barrel. They'll settle for eighty-five ninety. Do, do U.S. producers want high prices? Uh, no. You, United States wants uh, – don't forget. No, no, producers. In, you know, in my, wait, in my, in my – we buy all our uh, oil in Canada. I had almost every minister – Because you refine it, right? I – almost every minister from Canada says we're looking at $65 that we can – we can make a living at 65, and the economy can go well at 65. So here's the world war. They want 85.90. We want 60.65. So that's the economic war going on. World war economic war going on. And consumers want to buy electric cars. Absolutely not. <laughs> Listen, I think consumers should be given a choice of anything they want to buy. If you want to buy an electric car... You should have a choice. It shouldn't be forced upon you. Don't well, you think that's a better idea? I, I guess so, but 
if an American wants to buy a catalytic converter or a leaded gas engine, they can't do that either. We always are changing policies for, because we think it's in our interest. Slow economic changes, not changes that are going to hurt the it's economy. It's 5%, but it's only 5% of the marketplace uh, is electric vehicles. Let me ask you a silly question. You know, we're uh, our company is in the real estate business, too. Right. One of our divisions builds apartment buildings. Last week, I was yelling at our real estate division because one of the buildings we're building is all electric, completely electric. As opposed to uh, oil, some gas, gas right, right, some right. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and so even the stoves and, aren't going to be and, gas. And, and and one of my guys that runs the construction portion of that of that company says to me, "Boss, what do you want me to do? It's the law." I said, "Yeah, well." Then I swallowed. I said, "Okay." <laughs> Now, but I'm going to tell you, I'll give you an example and tell me how you explain it. It has 100% electricity. That means your heating is going to be electric. Your, 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 to charge your telephone is electric. Your refrigerator is electric. Your cooking is electric. And if you had an electric car, your car is electric. Now, let me tell you what happens. There's a situation, and I, you know, I know a little bit about intelligence. I don't know if you were in the Intelligence Committee when you were in the no. Congress. Mm-mm. Well, I know a little bit about intelligence. I can't talk about it. But if the Chinese or any other enemy of the people decide to push a certain button, they could force the entire grid to go down. And you know what would happen to the people who live in that building? They can't eat. They can't heat themselves. They can't charge their phone. They're, they're, we are living in the land of a jungle. What say you about that? Don't you think we should have some choices? Some. Yeah. It, I, it doesn't I mean, have to be 100% choices. Look, what's going to happen is there are hundreds of businesses, hundreds of buildings, hundreds of, of vessels that were powered by coal. They were powered by steam ah. engines. Like, we have progress, and sometimes our progress is not linear. Sometimes it's a little bit jagged. I I believe it. I I, believe in progress. I I remember after Hurricane Sandy, living in Manhattan on the 12th floor, and like an idiot, I heard the storm was coming. I stocked the refrigerator. You know, Jordan was a little baby at the time. Stocked the refrigerator, not realizing my entire life is dependent upon electricity, including the refrigerator, including the elevator, including everything else. I, I guess the what I would say is that no one's taking away choice right now. Like five percent of the cars are going to be electric that are sold next year. Not, but I can tell you, our main competitor economically in the world, China, is pumping out electric cars and buying electric cars faster than anybody. And it's you know so, so much so. You know why? They don't have oil. They well, have to. They don't have oil. Listen. And that's why they're pushing electric cars. Well, nobody knows who has okay. oil. No, we nobody- have. We in North America has two hundred years worth of oil. Look, I think that at the end of the day, being be, and we're going to need some of that oil, and we're going to need a transition period. There's no doubt about it. But at the end of the day, I think most Americans would rather plug in their car and pay forty cents a kilowatt than it would be to pay four, five, six dollars a gallon and have a lot, uh, six dollars a barrel. They and, should and, have their choice. And, and by the way, if you had no fossil fuels running the world. Would Iran have any power? Would Saudi have any powder power? It, it, listen, Would Hezbollah have a buck in their pocket? Al- President Biden allowed 
uh, Iran to have power. Well, they like were, well, then tell me, how did they go? I mean, I'm telling you the truth. I, I want you to go. And, and you always, will, you're a computer guy. You go uh, to your computer and see how many uh, gallons a day, uh, barrels a day they're producing uh, four years ago. And how I many know, but you're blaming, producing you're blaming that on, 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 on Joe Biden. I, and, I won't blame and anybody. I said, Remember, you just get the facts. Hillary Clinton, just get the facts. Hillary Clinton did something that no one had done before. They got Russia, China, and the United States all on board with sanctions against Iran as it relates to its nuclear program. What does that have to do with the I'm price of tomatoes? I'm explaining. Once we pulled out under Donald Trump, pulled out of that, the, the, the Chinese said, okay, I'm out of here. I'm going to start buying Iranian oil again. They were restricted. We allowed it to happen. No, we, when we broke out of the nuclear right. deal, our pact with China was over. China said, you're not sticking by the deal. We're not sticking Fine. by the deal. And listen, can I tell you something? And let's remember something about oil. And you know this better than any person on earth. It's, Te- wait, wait, Texas tea. It's, <laughs> it's fungible. Oil is fungible. Like saying that, okay, I'm going to pump a barrel here and it's going to go into my car on the corner. That's not the way it works. Do you you think it's right? Do you think it's right when we started selling the strategic reserves that some of that strategic reserves of the United States of America was bought by that that, uh, Hunter Biden's uh, 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 company? Wait a minute. Hold on a second. We put that up for auction. We put it up That's for fine. auction. We didn't. We never said. I we, agree with you. We. I, I, I agree with you. hundred percent. I'm with you. hundred percent. Okay. If we wanted to say we don't want it auction, we'll take ten dollars less if we keep it to this person. I'm just saying it's fungible. You know this. The supply comes in. hundred percent. I agree with you. If tomorrow, Anthony, I'm giving you a zinger though. I think we should have had a restriction against China buying it. I agree, and we'll be right, right. back on the middle. With Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. We got the refugees, all stars, rubber dubbing in the club. Why Clef Jean? John Forte, Roswell, now I mean the streets are getting a little crazy. Look at, look at, look at, look at, look at, look at, look at here, look at shorty got back. Should I ask her for a dance? Hold on, there's too many in the wolf pack. And besides, dirty cats talking to her, buying her fake furs and taking her to the fever. Quiet as it's kept, they ain't even it's been. She spins his Franklin's, hit the malls with her friends. Material girl living in a material world, but it's all right. Cause it's Saturday night, so Mr. Funkmaster, pump the BGs. And all you college students playing Ouija's, check the spelling R-E-F-U-G-E-E. Get the CD from Sam Goody. You ain't even close with the And welcome back to the middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. We're here till 4 o'clock. And then Curtis, oh, wait a minute. I'm getting, I'm getting a memo here. Curtis is injured. Curtis is on, he the, has, he's on the injured reserve. He's on the IR? He's, yeah, he's, he's got the itch. 
<laughs> Here on ABC. So I'm giving him the afternoon off. Okay, I'm going to make it always broadcasting Curtis or Katz, one or the All other. Right. All right, it just starts with a C. So left versus right, but we're here having a conversation about the issues of the day with John Katzmatidis, the jefe, uh, the owner, the operator. And uh, you've probably heard this story told a few times before, but when you know I did some work at ABC when it was over under the old ownership and the place was a dump, the morale was not, was zero. And here we are, and WABC is doing great, and John Katsimatidis and Margot and Chad and the team are the reason why. So we're talking a little bit about the year and how the economy is pretty, pretty good, but it should have been better in the eyes of John Katsimatidis. It should have been this way longer. He busted out that same line that Dominic uses, oh, it's election year, it's election year. I want to tell you this, John. I th- want politicians to do things to get votes because I'm the person voting, and if that means they're going to make the economy better. But in this case – it was the- I, I agree with you 110%. As long as they're not doing it up to when they win, then they go back to the same old, how do you say it, uh, crap? Well, let me, say, let me say this. You know, you were very critical of the Fed in raising rates as much as they did, like 13 times. It made it impossible for the real estate industry it here in New York. It put the real estate industry in trouble. And then it put the banks in trouble. And then, and by the way, we had a little mini banking collapse here earlier in the year. We've forgotten about that. Yes. But now that we have seen that they have effectively landed the economy without a recession, and now they're talking the first quarter of next year about bringing back some of those rates, it seems like they managed it. And I don't think Biden should get too much credit for this. The Fed is kind of independent. But it does seem like the Fed managed this this inflation spike pretty well. The Fed is dumber than crap. Okay, the way they should have brought it down, the Fed had no choice but to keep raising interest rates because the price of oil went up and stayed up. And the truth is, that's what really caused the inflation. Well, yet eggs were high. Inflation was a lot of parts of this sector. You could go to parts. Eggs were high. All right. They had the bird flu. Okay, Uh, 20 million birds died or or chickens died. But that's – you can't be specific and that's caused the eggs, the price of chickens. But overall food – don't forget, we're in that business too. Yeah. Overall food is controlled. 80% of our factories in America are run by diesel fuel. So if, if oil is at $100 a barrel, the cost of running those factories, the cost of delivering the product from the factories to the supermarkets, guess what? But if you're the Fed, though, you're not deciding oil prices. You have really only one tool to use, and that's and that's interest that's rates. That's it. They had no choice. They had no choice. But instead of instead of standing up and saying, uh, uh, "Mr. President, maybe maybe you should ease up on the oil industry and the price," because if the price of oil came down, and you know what happened, at the end of the day, they realized the truth. And that's why the price of oil well, has started to go down. There were a lot of things outside U.S. control that also happened. I mean, frankly, they, were, they, were, they, they, they couldn't get agreements over at OPEC. But let me ask you this now going forward. What do you see in 2024? There seems to be some general optimism in the marketplace. Markets are forward-looking, not backward-looking. There seems to be optimism. Do you think that the Fed is now going to lower some of the, the, uh, some of the funds rates? I'm the first one that predicted it. Yeah. You talked to Maria Bartolomo, and I was on her show, and I predicted it uh, four months ago. And then I was on last week, and she said, 
Holy crap, you're 100% right. But you aren't concerned about inflation coming back once money starts coursing at higher amounts in, in the marketplace? I, we're talking, look, there's no way I could sit here and predict two years from now, three years from now, mm-hmm. four years from now. I could predict for the tw- next 10 months, 12 months. The next 10 to 12 months with the election being in November 2024, the stock market will be at an all-time high. Interest rates will come down to uh, where you get a 30-year mortgage, maybe at 4% or 5%. And uh, gasoline, you'll probably be able to buy from between $2.5 and $3 a gallon. Wow. So how does Biden lose in that scenario? (coughs) (coughs) Excuse me. How does he lose? I mean, the economy is usually— Maybe he wins. I'm not saying— I mean, listen, let me tell you one thing, Anthony. And you know where I come from. I know Joe Biden for 40, 45 years. If Joe Biden walked into this office, he'd come over and give me a hug. Okay? That's how long we know each other. Yeah, I, I know uh, uh, Bill Clinton for 40 years. And uh, one of the interviews I did with him, I thought it was a beautiful interview. I had tears in my it was eyes. really great. It was, it was really a great, great. interview because mm-hmm. he, he got things off his chest that he wanted to get off his chest. And he was and, pretty, pretty tough on the president and the president Democrats also in that interview. Yeah. And Trump, I know him for 45 years. You know, don't forget me and you have been around. Well, let me – before you move off that one, I'm sure our listeners are interested in this. Yeah. Now, my experience being in politics in New York was as a real estate guy, Donald Trump was not really that admired by his fellow real estate guys. Is that true? Uh, By his fellow real estate guys, by his bankers, admired? Absolutely not. I mean, no one really saw him, you know, a lot. Absolutely not. Uh, but, but in, hey, um, people say, oh, you're a friend of Donald's? I said, this too, I'm an acquaintance of Donald's. Uh, we're on the same charity boards together. We were on the yeah. police athletic league board together. Uh, I'm an acquaintance. But you know what a friend is? A guy that says at, at 5 o'clock, oh, crap, we got nothing to do tonight. Let me call up uh, uh, Anthony or let me call up – I would never say let me call up Donald to go to dinner. Uh, I would say nobody would call up Donald to go to dinner. (laughs) Okay? He had a lot of acquaintances. He worked very hard. But he didn't – I don't think he had many friends. Well, when when oh, by the way, when he became president, all of a sudden he had a lot of friends. All right. Well, let me as we wrap up when we come back from the break. I just want to get you prepared. I'm going to ask you to say three things that you think Joe Biden did really well. I'm going to do three things that I think Donald Trump did really well. When we come back in the middle, it's Anthony Weiner, John Katzimatidis. We'll see you on the other side. Finding new ways to make change. Reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC.
And here's to hoping we all have not only high hopes, but we have good health and fortune in the year to come. That's Panic in the Disco, High Hopes. And so, John, I said when we went to the break, and we're going to have a little time to spend on this because coming up at 4 o'clock, left versus right with Curtis Leo and Anthony Weiner, it's going to be John Katzmatis filling in for Curtis. It is. Has anybody ever filled in for Curtis? I was just going to say that you need the jaws of life to get him out of this studio. And so if it weren't for the fact that it was you, but he has earned it, He has it, a man. problem. He has earned it. He has it. the itch. Yeah. He, 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 has, he has been doing overnights, morning, and midday. I mean, even for him, this has been a lot that he's been doing recently. So I'm glad he's going to get a little bit of rest. So I said before we went to the break that we're going to close out the show today. I'm frequently accused of not being the middle. You call me a common sense Democrat. I frequently say that the station is all conservative and there's no no one but me here. I thought we'd close out by saying three things that I think that Donald Trump did well and you would do three things that you think Joe Biden. Let's go the other way around. You go to your heart. Give me the three things you think Donald Trump did wrong and I'll tell you the three things I think Joe Biden did wrong. Well, but I don't want to be negative here. I know we won't okay. be negative. We'll turn positive later. Well, here's my overall problem with 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 Donald Trump is the stuff that he's done since he lost has been outrageous. And that one of the things we've all depended upon, no matter what our party, is the idea that the loser steps up to the microphone and says, I want to congratulate the winner. And we're all going to pull together now because democracies are – that happens in our country and it doesn't happen in other countries. It's one of the things I was – I continue to be proud of and I think him trying to overturn the election was something that he, he – history will never forgive him. OK. Um, you know, part of the duty of the president of the United States is now – now you're getting nervous again. I'm, not, I'm just scratching my nose. I've mean, I got to tell the audience. You, you, you get nervous. You I start am to a, shake. I am a jittery person. I'm nervous. A, I'm, I'm generally nervous for the future of our country. You know, but, but go the, ahead. But the president of the United States has to consider all options when there's transitioning of, a, of, a, of power. I maybe, did he go too far? I don't know. But uh, uh, at the end of the day, it should be they should both shake hands and, and walk away. Uh, what happened during the election? Who knows? I don't know. Well, I, I do think, you though, but, but don't you agree that seeing the ex-president, the new president, sitting on stage on Inauguration Day to bring us all – that's why in- – Well, Al Gore uh, 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 did that with, uh, uh, with uh, George uh, uh, W. Bush. Everyone did it. And uh, there hasn't been a president yeah, not yeah. to do it until Donald Trump. No, so, I agree so with that. So that is one thing no, that, that I think. No, that portion I agree with. Yeah, but that there that should that be is... a peaceful transition. Uh, you should be. Uh, uh, can you say pissed off on the radio? No, I listen. You, you could be uh, pissed off for a couple of days. You can and tell, upset for a couple exactly. of days. And look, Hillary was upset, and I love her dearly. You know that, of course. Hillary was very upset. And, and, and look, I always say to Jordan, you know, they do have this great custom that they do. It's after most kids' sports, but particularly in hockey, they line up and they shake hands, win or lose. And I always say to him, Jordan, I say, Jordan, the way, you lose tells, the way you lose tells me more about a man than when you win. That it's being dignified in, in defeat uh, is important. And so he never forgot. Now, the thing that I don't like about Joe Biden is I think that he has, he has not done enough to acknowledge that those statements that he made during the campaign about the welcoming nature and the welcoming of immigrants 
once he took office, echoed around the world. And so many people heard that as come whether you're lawful or not. Right. So I don't think I think the laws are the same. But I think that was one. I was a blind spot for him not to realize being critical of Trump was one thing. Saying that we're open for anyone who wants to come was a mistake. I believe in immigration. And maybe we have to go into the next hour. We're going to run out of time. Uh, But I believe what we did for the 100 years, uh, Ellis Island-type immigration, to make sure if we need 10,000 carpenters, bring in 10,000 carpenters. You need 10,000 plumbers, bring in 10,000 plumbers. And make people swear allegiance to to the— I did. When I was six years old, I went down— to the State Department, and I swore allegiance to the United States of America because I came here when I was six months old. And if people that want to come in can't do that, I don't think we should let them in. What I, do you say you? Listen, I think that you and I are both examples of what immigration means to this country, you most particularly. And when we come back at the top on left versus right, we're going to continue the conversation with John Katzmatidis. For all of you who have supported the middle throughout the entire year, I want to express my heartfelt gratitude. After the break, more of John Katzmatidis and Anthony Weiner on left versus right.